Good morning, Faith family. Good morning to, to all of you. Um, good to see you. My name is Jared Parsons. I'm coming to you from uh, the office where you normally hear our wonderful musicians uh, play music for us, and I figured I'd get, get, some, get some time to stretch the legs, get some social distance, hang out with, with the boss, Patrick, and uh, get to share with you the word this morning. I'm really excited. Uh, we've been going through a series called Story of My Life, talking about uh, and looking at conversion stories in Acts and all the wonderful, amazing ways the Holy Spirit has worked in people's lives. And we can see when, when someone made a decision to follow Jesus. And so that, that's what I get to do this morning is continue that. We're going to be talking about Acts 16, 25 through 34. It's the story of the jailer. He doesn't have a name in this story. He's just called the jailer. And, uh, but, but before that, I just wanted to say, um, I, I'm coming to you right now at, at a heavy, heavy time in, in, in the world and in our nation. And what I love about this story today is, is and hopefully this is, this is a little bit of a respite for you and maybe some joy, is that there's so much grace shown in this story. So much grace, so much love, and we see grace transform. And so hopefully this morning is, is an encouraging time for you of seeing freeing grace and uh, I'm excited to bring the word today. Let me pray for us, and then, um, yeah, we'll just get going on, on, on the story. God, to help us to fix our eyes on you today, on who you are, on your love, and on the grace that you show and that you show through your people to, to everyone. And um, yeah, God, would you help us to fix our eyes on your grace this morning? Uh, in your name, amen. Amen. So um, last week we heard from Kristen and she did a great job talking about uh, the, uh, the Philippian church um, and the conversion of Lydia and th- this amazing, successful woman and how God used her to, to uh, begin the church. And so we're, we're, we're skipping ahead in, in the, the town of Philippi, the story of Philippi. Um, and just to give you context for how we get to a, to a jailer, right? Oh, we're, we're going to be talking about jail. Well, how do we end up in jail? Uh, that story uh, begins with uh, Paul and his bro Silas are um, walking around Philippi preaching the gospel. And there's this woman who is in spiritual bondage. She's, she's possessed by a demon. And uh, there's some men in Philippi saw this as an opportunity to make money. Can, can you imagine this for a second? There, there's someone who's possessed by a demon. And like our culture, we, we make like a scary movie about this. But these men saw an opportunity to gain some capital. They're like, oh, she's predicting the future. Well, we're, ter- we're, we're, we're terrified, but now let's see if we can make some money. And so she would uh, be on the street just uh, bothering people and, and really the, you know, the demon through her bothering people and, and predicting their future. And uh, what, what I love about this story is that Paul, um, in a moment of annoyance, actually, this, Paul's a real human being. He, he experienced emotions, and he just got sick of it. He got sick of this woman um, bothering him. And so it, there wasn't like this, you know, uh, grand Latin exorcism. He just turns around and says, quit it. That's uh, my summary. But like, be out of her. Be done. And the demon leaves her immediately. And now these wealthy men are mad. They lost uh, a main revenue stream. And so what do they do? They, they uh, falsely charge Paul and Silas and they 
they ha- make sure that Paul and Silas are go before the, the town magistrates and then the, the crowd beats them. And, and then the magistrates, uh, inter- we, we are introduced to the jailer. The magistrates say, the, all right, jailer, we're handing him over to you. Make sure he stays alive for a trial. And so in, in shows up the jailer. And, and just to, to, to start, one more context is that the jailer um, in this context uh, in, in history in, in Rome was very, he took his job very, very seriously. This was a very, very serious job. This wasn't this wasn't like a, you know, just a mall cop who like had had mall prison, you know, like this was a very serious job. And so that's where we're going to pick up the story. Let me let me read it for us. It's Acts 16, 25 um, through 34. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and their prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, uh, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Let me pause for just a second. The bigger story, let, let's let's capture this. The bigger story, the mo- more important thing right now to the jailer wasn't an earthquake. It was that the prisoners might escape. The earthquake was like secondary. The prisoners might be loose. That's how important this job was to him. Let me keep going. Verse 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of, of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he, he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Okay, so we're going to walk through uh, the, this, the, same, uh, the same format, the a very clear look at, at this conversion of the jailer. First, the person. Who was the jailer? The jailer was a fearful person. Um, Acts 16, 27, verse 27 says, When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. The jailer was working a really stressful job. I don't know if anyone else feels this. Feels this, <laughs> have a really stressful job. Um, and he... He, again, he was more worried about the prisoner escaping than, uh, the, than the earthquake. And uh, one other thing that's really fascinating is that the jailer wasn't there to, to, to charge them, right? He wasn't there when, when they were beating them. He was just handed this job. And, and I don't know if you, some of you might feel that where you're like, you get handed the most stressful part of the job after everyone else has made it more stressful for you. You know, there was a riot there. It's kind of like, come on, man. Like, it's not even my, like, why'd you have to beat him, you know, and bring him into the jail? Like, are, are other people going to be mad? Have you started violence? But it was such a serious and stressful job that he was terrified that that like like an earthquake wasn't 
wasn't a good enough excuse. I think of the movie Devil Rose Prada, um, where the, the lead character, Miranda Priestly, is so mad at her assistant because her assistant can't fly her home during a hurricane, right? Act of God isn't a good enough reason for you not to do your job. And the jailer had this job and he was fearful. Why was he so afraid? Why, why wasn't this like a, a why, can't, why couldn't he fail in this, you know? What, why couldn't he just be like, I'm sorry, earthquake, prisoners happen to got happen to get out um that's because the jailer's job was his identity that's the second thing is that his his job was his identity so much so that he wasn't given a name in scripture we just know him as the jailer right isn't that kind of funny if like if that was if our job was our our name you know and uh maybe that was to protect him moving forward i don't it's kind of interesting to think about like why he wasn't given a name in scripture but that it was his identity and it, so much so that he couldn't see a way out he couldn't see a way out of this identity that he had made for himself. When your job is your identity, you are constantly afraid because you can't control every aspect of your job. You can't control how everyone receives your work. You can't control the approval of your boss and of those that, that work under you. You can't control those that work with you. You can't control every aspect of your nature. And we are living this right now, aren't we? Where we are, yeah, COVID has, for, for me, I work in campus ministry and I just realize how many things I'm not in control of. I can't control when someone responds to me positively or, or now even responds to a text or shows up to an event. I, I am so not in control, right? But when your, your job is your identity, it, it's terrifying. And, and honestly, anything that is your identity that isn't in Jesus causes fear, makes you a fearful person because you're just not in control. If you want to be well-liked, if you want to be the, the, the person that everybody likes, oh my gosh, that's, that's way too hard, you know? You're never going to be able to do that because what if you get into a room with two people who have very, very different opinions right now? Uh, it sounds... Sound like familiar in America? Like you want to make everyone happy. It's just not possible. You can't be that person. If you want to be the perfect employee, well, sometimes you might have to, to you might notice something your boss is doing. You might have to say, ah, oh, that's not okay. It just causes fear. And, and when your identity is your job, you are terrified. And that was the jailer. He was terrified. He was ready to, he was ready to kill himself because he couldn't see a way out. Holy cow. So what, what do we say to fear? Right? What, what can we say to fear? And uh, the, so the prompt here, the prompt was that the jailer was shown freeing grace. He was showed freeing grace, ironically, from his captor. So uh, verse 28, but Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are here. I love this verse so much. There's so much uh, nuanced in here. Paul called out with a loud voice with urgency. Why would Paul do that? Because Paul recognized that he and Silas now had power over the jailer. Because all of the, the bonds were, were loose, because the, the doors were open, they had power over the jailer. Because if they ran, the jailer would be dead. Paul knew that. And what does Paul think of in this moment? You know, I mean, he'd been beaten that day, handed over, kept in, in the part of the prison. It, it, the, the verse before it says that they were put in the innermost part with 
um, shackles on their feet. That's what they would do to murderers. They were treated unjustly and unfairly in in the innermost prison. And when when the doors are open, who does Paul think of but his captor? It's it's remarkable, remarkable grace. And it's it's interesting to think even about Paul's own story when he was his own conversion story when he was blinded. Someone that he was going to probably murder showed him grace as well. Um, and now he gets to, to return, give, give back grace to the world. Um, but they had power over the jailer and they thought of the jailer. And Paul and Silas offered freedom to their captor. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? They, they offered freeing grace to their captor. And, you know, for most of us, if, if we're in that situation, the doors are open, my bonds are loose, like, peace. You know, like, I'm going to go. And, and even uh, another fact that's told after the story um, later is that Paul's a Roman citizen. So what Paul could have, that, that's like a, not everyone was a citizen. He was like, there's like normal people and then there's citizens that you earn by a certain status. Paul could have left Philippi gone to another town, grab some other magistrates, come back and punish the magistrates and the jailer. But what does Paul think of right now? Don't kill yourself. Don't harm yourself. We're here. And like, I don't know if, if they were, it doesn't, the Bible doesn't say like why they're all there. If they were just like shocked, like, oh, like we're free. And they were just like in shock and they didn't move. Or if Paul and Silas were like, nobody move. We're not sure. But we do know that Paul and Silas chose to say, and then they offered grace freeing grace to their captor their captor said the jailer said what must i do to be saved and we're not even sure if if his question is about being saved spiritually or being saved professionally or being saved moving forward but the answer is still the same believe in the lord jesus you will be saved you and your household and i love that that's also beautiful paul is thinking about the jailer's household, the, the, the jailer's family would probably also have been punished. So now Paul's thinking about, oh, he's got a family. He's got, he's got maybe his own employees. I'm thinking about them. Believe in Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. And um, what, what, what freeing grace, right? So when, when you're so worried about your own life, your own... Your, your own identity, protecting yourself. And here's a person who's thinking about you and your family and offers you grace and says, I'll stay. So what was the point? What happened? How, what was the point of, of conversion? How did the jailer respond? Well, he, he accepted. <laughs> he accepted grace and freedom. You know, going back to verse 33. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all were in, were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once. He and all his family. I think even uh, he rejoiced along with his entire household. It says he rejoiced. He accepted grace and freedom and he responded immediately. He didn't, you know, Paul didn't offer him this and he goes, okay, good. Let me, let me send you a text and we'll set up a time to meet maybe in the next couple days. I'll, you know, I've, I'm pretty busy. He wakes up his family that hour. We're pretty sure it was after midnight, closer to 3 a.m., so it's, it's like late. He like right now, he says that I can be saved by belief in Jesus. And so I'm doing it and I'm, I'm, we're going we're gonna to take the whole household into this. 
you know, and, and, and he takes him immediately to his house. He responded immediately because he had never seen grace like this. He never experienced grace like this. It's so clear that he, the jailer never experienced someone offering him unearned favor, unearned love, right? Evidenced by the fact that he was ready to kill himself over his job. He had never experienced someone forgiving him, really, and forgiving him unconditionally. And that's what Jesus was offering him at that moment. So he had never seen grace like this. And um, yeah, I, uh, w- one other aspect, I, you know, we're talking about Paul and, and, and uh, when we think of his story, Jesus offered Paul this grace. So, so Paul right now is just a conduit of, of God's grace, right? And uh, Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of grace, of, of giving honor and favor. One of my favorite verses, Romans 5, 8, says that Jesus um, uh, demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. While we were still his enemies, he died for us. He's a different kind of king. He's a different kind of, of ruler, and he offers grace to those who are his enemies. And the jailer responded immediately. He responded immediately to this grace and freedom. The product is that the jailer then shows grace and freedom. There's, there's this interesting aspect here that you might just, uh, you could just run over real quick, uh, but luckily smarter men than I have drawn my attention to it through reading some commentaries of the jailer actually then shows grace back to, to Paul. Uh, when, and it talks about when they, when they brought him up into his household and set food before them and rejoiced with the whole household, the jailer incriminated himself professionally in that moment for this message. If he was worried about the prisoners getting out, right, what was he thinking than inviting those prisoners out of jail into his own household, right? Try explaining that to your boss the next day. Like, no, really, I didn't orchestrate this break. I just wanted to have a meal with them. You know, like, like that's so incriminating. That's, but he, he brought them into his house. He washed, his, he washed Paul's wounds. He fed him food. And food, I, it, it's a big deal normally, but like in this culture, to share a meal together is what you do with family and close friends. This, this was, he was showing grace back to Paul. And everyone in this story incriminated themselves culturally for the gospel message. For Paul to be associated, you know, for, for Paul and Silas's message to, in Philippi, especially with, the, the, you know, they were working with some Jew, Jewish uh, converts and other things for him to, to go and, and have a meal and care about the jailer, the Roman jailer more, for the Roman to be hanging out with, with Paul and Silas, the ones who just started a riot. But grace was abounding. Grace was abounding and jailer was, the jailer was showing grace and, and Paul was giving grace. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just would love to be a fly on the wall during those conversations too, like during that meal, like, hey, you know, you passed the taters. Remember when you put shackles on my feet? That was wild. But yeah, I also take the green beans. Um, I just, yeah, like what, what, what were those conversations like? And the only reason they're together is to show grace and to give grace. God's, God's grace knows no boundary. It brings boundaries down. Caring more for, for your fellow man is more freeing than caring for yourself. I think Paul realized that. I think the jailer might have realized that too. It's not restricting. It's freeing. Grace is freeing. Showing grace 
receiving grace is freedom. And lastly, I just want to, you know, for, for myself, receiving grace is owning right now that I, that I'm not, I'm not perfect at my job. I'm not doing the most amazing work right now. It's difficult to track down 18 year olds via virtual means right now. It's hard. It's hard. And recently I was um, just spending some time reading in Romans 8 and it felt like Jesus really said to me, you have nothing left to prove. You have nothing left to prove. I love you. Love people the best you can. And that receiving that love of, okay, like God's not standing there with a ticker of like, okay, how many students showed up to your Zoom call on Wednesday night? He just wants me to receive his love and then love the, the ones that I have as best I can. And isn't that, isn't that all we can do really is to receive God's grace and then give it where we, where we can to give out grace. And it's freeing. It's freeing to live in grace. Grace is freedom. So just to recap, the jailer was afraid. He was afraid because his identity was in his job. The jailer was then shown freeing grace. He then accepted that grace in freedom, right? It, it was, it was, a, it was, he felt free to invite his captors over to his home. And then the jailer then ret- returns and shows that grace back towards uh, Paul and Silas. Grace is freedom. Grace is freedom. Let me pray to close. Um, Jesus, thanks for your grace that you show to us. Thanks for the way you love us. Thank you for, for yeah, the remarkable grace we see um, in, in this story. And would you help us to give grace and receive your grace as, as kind that we wouldn't, um, yeah, that we wouldn't live off our own identity and our own failures, but that we would live knowing that you've, you've shown us grace in, in your gospel. In your name, amen. What's my story? Growing up, I believed that I was the center of my own world and that I had total control over everything that happened in my life. I selfishly believe in only myself. And when I was in control, every negative seemed to be magnified disappointment. Two years ago, when things got really difficult for me, I yearned for someone other than myself to believe in. So I put my faith in God. Slowly, week after week, month after month, I gave up the control I thought I had and gave it to him. I learned that his love is everlasting and that he would never give me something that I could not handle in life, that these blessings were endless and continue to be bountiful, which that in turn changed my perspective and how I now live in a way that's fulfilling not only for myself but for him. And most important, learning more about Jesus convicted me to show more grace to those who need it and to forgive those that had done me wrong in the past. And really just to love everyone, even if they do not love me. That's my story.